welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema, the film discussion podcast where you choose it, I watch it, and we discuss it. As always, I'm your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest installment. And today we are going to be taking a trip back to 1991 for the Frank Oz comedy classic, What About Bob? Starring Richard Dreyfuss and the Bill fucking Murray. I'm, I'm, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I'm really, really excited to share this episode with you because What About Bob is just one of the, the funniest films. Of course, a funny film and Bill Murray tend to be pretty damn synonymous. So, I mean, it's kind of redundant to say a funny Bill Murray film, but at least certainly in this period, because he was really kind of known for doing comedies. Obviously, in his later years, he's done some more serious roles, some more dry comedies, but this is as classic Bill Murray as you're going to get. And the guest we have to discuss it is Jenna Saunders, who is the host of Office ADHD uh, website and podcast. And Jenna will tell us a little bit about that here shortly. But if you are new to this particular podcast, hello, welcome. This is Stamper Cinema. And as mentioned before, I am Andrew. Do me a favor and certainly check out my website, stampercinema.com. Leave a review, rate the show, tell your friends, and um, uh, interact. Yeah, interact. You know, shoot me an email, whatever. Let me know where you're from, what you're what you're into. And if you would like to be on the show and would like to talk about a movie you love, I would love to hear about it. So let's transition into the discussion portion of this episode. That's why you're here, not to listen to me rant. So I will stop. And with that, let's begin the podcast. Jenna, thank you. Thank you very much for, for hopping on the show. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks for having me on. Sounds like this is a lot of fun. Are you kidding me? I'm so excited about this. Anytime I get to talk about a fun movie, I'm really jazzed. Now, Grand, I enjoy a really good serious conversation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a movie that's going to make yeah. me laugh, I'm 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 all about. And I don't get a ton of people that come and say, "Hey, I want to talk about like just like a gut wrenchingly funny film." And this mm. this movie brings it. So, thank you for uh, for yeah, putting this on the radar. Funny, and it has a great message. So it does it's everything. It really does. It really <laughs> does. Now, if you wouldn't mind, for the listeners, now at the mm-hmm. outset, I I introed what we're going to be talking a little bit about, but I didn't really talk too much about you. I wanted to give you the opportunity to inter- introduce yourself to our listeners. So let's uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Sure. I'm Jenna. I live out in the Pacific Northwest. I love Oregon. I run a podcast called Office ADHD. Because I think the adults with ADHD could use a little more support. And so we're working on building more products and more things for people. I also do data analytics for the University of Phoenix. And so that's a lot of fun, actually. I know it sounds boring, but it's actually, I guess, because I like numbers. And so it's a lot of fun. I love numbers. So I'm like, whoa, 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 hold off, hold off. Like, I want I want to know more about this. So <laughs> what is that all about? Now, granted, the listeners are like, oh, Jesus, here he goes again. But <laughs> but yeah, tell me about that. Like, how how'd you get into that? Yeah, no, it's great. I was actually a high school and middle school math teacher. And mm. I I have a hard time when administration wants to make choices that I feel like is going to negatively affect my students. 
And so I tend to be a little more outspoken and then I get in trouble. And so teaching was not really working out as well for me. But I decided that if I went into regular work at a company, I would be okay. Because if adults want to make decisions that make their lives harder, that's all right. I can, I can roll with that. I'll make the chart however you want. But, you know, if you're affecting my students, then no go. The, so data analytics, I decided to get a master's in business intelligence and data analytics. Uh, I got it online because I'm a single mom. So I just kind of did it, you know, in between work and things like that. And so it's been it's been really great. And then I just started applying and I ended up with an internship and then and I rolled from there. Data analytics is a lot of fun. You just kind of, you help the company take all of this information because every company, you know, you fill out forms, you have conversations with people that they mark different ways in their computers. And so you take that information and you have all of these numbers and you put it into a chart so that then somebody can use it. And then you put it into graphs and things so that people can then take that information and say, okay, how can we make the experience for customers better? I know it's not the same thing, but when I hear data analytics, I do go into my way back like 80s film obsession. And I think of a little movie called Big and like Tom Hanks <laughs> gets a gig and his first gig like in the movie is like working for like data processing. So I know data analytics and data processing aren't the same thing, but I do think of the scene where he is working and um it's a uh, homeboy uh, that was on SNL. I can't believe I, forgot. I just forgot his name. But um, um, oh my god! Uh, I know the thing where you can see it in your head. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, I know. I see this scene. Yeah, and it's like uh, all I can just, think right now is the scene where he's playing the piano. Oh, that, I mean, that's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But um, <laughs> but there there's a scene where him and this guy that was on SNL and one of the only thing I could ever think of, and he was like jealous. Uh, John Lovitz, John Lovitz. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So John Lovitz was a data processing uh, guy. Now I know data analytics and data processing aren't the same thing, but that's just where the first thing that I went to uh, in my own head. But the other thing that you mentioned is that you live in the Pacific Northwest, again, completely not related to anything we're going to talk about, but okay. uh, you're you're in Salem. So what what is the scene out there what is, what is that all about what's it like out there oh my gosh so Oregon is so funny because people see the um like you see the people that care and like do things but the further west you head like the fur the closer closer you get to the coast and then it even more if you go to Hawaii but like the more laid back people get Oregon is the funniest thing about Oregon is that if you try to move here is we're kind of like xenophobic about <laughs> anybody. Mm. So at first, when he, I just I remember I had this one friend. It was hilarious. He first came here and he was like, everybody, when he would say, ah, it's raining again, we'd be like, yes, it rains. It rains every single day. You're going <laughs> to just get used to the gray. But as soon as he changed his license to be an Oregon license and like his car to be like an Oregon Thing and stuff we were like then you'd be like oh it's raining again and we'd be like yeah maybe it won't rain tomorrow we'll see like <laughs> we try and scare you away until we decide that you're actually going to accept Oregon for all of its glory right right <laughs> that's great now I uh 
I mean, there's a whole different conversation and I, I feel like I, I might want to just keep bringing you back just to talk Oregon, but we're not going to do that. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to uh, stay streamlined. Now, uh, also at the outset, you mentioned that you're a single mother. How old is your, uh, your, your child right now? Oh yeah. My son, he's 14. And 14. So he's a lot. It's that's one of the great things about having taught middle school and high school is actually adore teenagers. So I think they're hilarious. They're like giant toddlers, but so, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay that I have a teenager. I feel that we've got a heavy, heavy plate and I really do want to get into what about Bob, which is a movie that you wanted to, uh, bring to the table. And by the way, you, you referenced a couple, when we reached out to each other a couple months ago, four months ago, whatever it is, uh, there were several films that you mentioned, but I saw what about Bob on there? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could talk about this movie. And I know that you're a big fan of uh, Bill Murray, but specifically what was it about this film that you, that you wanted to talk, uh, talk about? I love What About Bob. Like, this is a show that I just keep coming back to. Like, I could watch it a million times because, one, Bill Murray is just great for one thing. Like, I mean, the way that he just keeps a straight face, but, like, he's one of those... He's, like, almost a silly slapstick, but at the same time, he's not because he's so straight-faced. And then... But What About Bob, I adore because there's so many lines that you just classically can repeat but there's also things you take to your life and that are like life lessons like the whole baby steps baby steps baby steps around the office like anytime you're overwhelmed you can just say baby steps baby steps yeah. <laughs> you know and like i don't know like just like do you jump in like the deep thing that i adore about this movie is that you have you know, you've got Dr. Marvin here who is just so uptight, so judgy, trying to control his world. And then you've got Bob who all he needed was somebody to look at him and accept him for mm. who he was. And that as the family accepts him and just says, oh, that's just Bob, like the more acceptance he receives, the more not only Bob heals and he's able to accept himself, the more he heals that family. And the more, you know, Dr. Marvin tries to control the situation, the crazier he feels <laughs> and the crazier he gets. You know? <laughs> and so like, like this, this whole thing about how if you really want to become your best self, you accept yourself where you are and, you know, it, you know, celebrate small achievements and things like that. Yeah, no, that that was really, really well, well stated without even necessarily uh, diving into the plot of the film, uh, which, you know, we we can we can cover. But I mean, you really covered a very, very like key component, like to the central theme. Now, for the for the listeners that haven't seen this, what about Bob is a movie that came out in 1991. I think that sounds about right. And it's your your classic American comedy uh, directed by Frank Oz, starring, as we mentioned, Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus, And the movie is about a, uh, a very, very mentally unstable patient uh, in Bob Wiley, played by Bill Murray. And essentially, he... He he gets a new he he gets a new uh, psychotherapist, uh, Doctor Doctor Leo Marvin. Basically, 
pushed onto it because his uh, his previous doctor decides to retire, probably retiring because of Bob Wiley. But uh, it's not not necessarily really abundantly clear, although his other psychiatrist goes free, uh, just alluding <laughs> to the fact that he's now free from Bob Wiley. But it takes place over the course of Labor Day weekend or the, the month. Basically, it's actually really a month. Uh, Dr. Leo Marvin takes a month off from work and 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 Bob needs a little extra TLC. So he decides that he wants to crash Dr. Leo Marvin's vacation up in Lake Winnipesaukee and and uh, hilarity ensues. But um, yeah, I mean, just a really, really fun, fun, fun comedy. I remember the first time I saw this movie. I remember seeing it actually in the movie theater. Now, uh, now for you, do you remember the first time you watched this movie? Gosh, I don't think I remember the very first time seeing. And that's okay. I yeah. have the, you know people always talk about like a like a photographic memory. I don't have one of those, but I do. I, I don't know what you would say it for a film, but I literally can place just about any movie I've ever seen to the first time I've ever seen the film. So whether I saw a movie so theater cool. or saw it on HBO or Cinemax or at a friend's house. It's it. You say cool and thank you. I appreciate that. I want to keep you around. People just look, look at me like I'm insane, but that's just one. That's my 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 ism is. I can often no. just remember the the first time I saw a film somewhere, and I remember who I was with and the emotional response I had to a movie at that time. But <laughs> this is a movie that obviously does connect to you, and you you reference some good themes uh, at at your outset. But why why do you feel this movie is important or worthy of a conversation? What what makes it? How about this? Why now? Why in twenty twenty three or whenever the person is listening to this? Mm-hmm. Why why is this movie relevant to uh, to be discussed? Thanks. You know, for one thing, I feel like people, um, I don't know if I want to say try too hard now sometimes with humor or they feel like they have to go down the same roads sometimes as other people. Like there are still some some really funny things, but I feel like a lot of times we end up going back to the classics because, you know, they didn't overthink it in some ways. Like it was kind of like how um, you know, when they would make Looney Tunes cartoons, it was mostly just because that was what they thought was funny when they were making up, you know, the stories. They just played out themselves and acted out and then they turned it into a cartoon. And I, I kind of almost feel like that was what happened when someone was writing What About Bob, that they were writing it probably with their buddy and they were like, OK, now let's make him do this. And then would it be hilarious if this happened? Like or ah, and then we'll turn this around that, um, you know, it's just it's it's almost it. There's a lot of effort, obviously, into it, but like the things that just happen next, you're like, oh my gosh. Well, yeah, that is, I guess, what's going to happen next. But like, I don't know, like it's, and I feel like too that there, there really is a lot of people that, um, you know, really just need that message of it honestly doesn't matter how crazy you are because it really doesn't get much more crazy than Bob. I mean, he carries his goldfish around on a, a necklace. Everywhere Gil, he goes. Don't, but don't, Gil. don't slight Gil. Okay, you're right. Sorry, Gil. 
Gil. Good morning, Gil. <laughs> Good morning, Gil. Like, yeah, like it's, like, I mean, he's, and he just honestly has no, no ability to read the people around him. He cannot None. read the room. Like, just, yeah, absolutely oblivious. But, like, he just, or he just doesn't care. I don't know which. But, um, that's but really- just like, you know, but he's, he's able to be, like, the more he's able to be himself, the more he, contributes the more he's better yeah 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 uh to the your point of like not being able to read the room or does he not care because we obviously we we see his initial reaction with leo marvin but we also have his re- a relationship with like the baby step get onto the bus with uh is it wing uh yeah, yeah, I think it's Wing. Yeah. yeah, Wing, and she's like, "Are you going to go on the bo- the boat, uh, the bus today, Bob?" And, you know, yeah. like, I yeah, guess he's like, "I know, I, I know, Wing." <laughs> uh, like he knows everybody's name, you know. Like he he knows, uh, oh, you're Betty. You know, it doesn't like everybody he meets in the film. He knows their name, uh, but his inability to completely like he can kind of read the room, and it's not that he's insensitive. But also just his his own hangups prevent him from from going anywhere. But he's still such a pain in the ass because even somebody casually trying to use a telephone booth like in a restaurant, he's like, no, 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 I'm waiting for a call, which the call is going to be like another like 90 minutes or whatever. But he's like, no, you can't you can't use the phone <laughs> right now. And then he apologizes. like, Hey, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sorry. Uh but if by chance I happen to black out or something explodes, <laughs> my fire explodes. Just <laughs> totally which is not Marvin. a thing. Can't happen. No. They can't have like just you know like explode out of you. But this is spinal it, 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 It's so good. And <laughs> to your to your point of things that were written, obviously so much of this was on the page. It was written by. Tom Schulman, who his resume was really extensive, but you also have a very collaborative brain, you know, in Bill Murray, because any screenplay that exists, if Bill Murray's involved, he's going to do his own thing. He's just naturally going to do it. <laughs> and it was directed by Frank Oz. So you've got freaking, you know, like Miss Piggy, right? Um, <laughs> you know, so another very collaborative uh, performer, but... This movie was also co-starred by one of like the most uh, by the page, classically trained actors in Richard Dreyfus, and not to beat up Richard Dreyfus because of the fact that you know he he takes his craft very seriously. He's been a wonderful actor for decades, and you know whether you're looking at you know Jaws or whether you're looking at. Uh, was it the goodbye girl? Yeah, Mr. Holland's it? opus. Mr. Holland's opus. Shit, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a, a myriad, myriad of other other films. Mm-hmm. You know, this is somebody that his craft is well done, but this is somebody that is very, very detailed um, by the book and in, in the way that you know he and very serious how he takes his craft. There. Famously was a major, major feud that existed oh, really? within this film. And I don't know how much you know about this, if anything. Um, but just one of the things that I learned is 
to say Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus did not get along would be an insane understatement. Um, Richard Dreyfus has since gone on to say that Bill Murray was just a rude, drunken Irish bully, uh, for one. Uh, another quote that Richard Dreyfus has said uh, goes along the lines of, I do not like him at all, but he still makes me laugh. Like, he, it just, Richard Dreyfus is not hidden behind the fact that, no, 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 no does not like Bill Murray, their whole their whole process. And even Frank Oz stated that there were some toxic things that were going on. And Bill Murray, in his own defense, says that he was a little uh, over the top. But anybody that's ever worked with Bill also knows that uh, he is, to say, unconventional in his approach for for laughs. He he you know, he's he. He's unpredictable and not to negate that other people's experiences aren't real. But Bill Murray has always been um, eccentric, to use a phrase, in just the way that he he takes his comedic timing and to uh, to get reactions from his other cast members to elevate a, a script. When you had mentioned just talking about uh, things that were written. Bill Murray likes to be um, unconventional and very, what's the word I'm looking for, unscripted and likes to improvise in many ways and take it, take it to 11 to borrow a, a phrase from um, yeah, Spinal, Spinal Tap, if you tap. will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. When, oh, uh, yeah, that, that would be quite, that would be quite the combination. No wonder they didn't get along. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, famously, Richard Dreyfus thought this movie was going to be, pardon my French, shit. He thought this movie was going to be terrible. Frank Oz also, because of just how un, uh, un, unfeathered the whole experience was, that he also thought everything was going to be terrible. And yet... The movie doubled its box office uh, based on it. Like it had like a $39 million budget and not because there were a lot of special effects or the the location. I mean, they filmed the movie in Virginia. I know it takes place up in like New Hampshire, but it was filmed mostly in Virginia. But the money really went to Bill Murray, who was at his like peak at that at that stage. Mm -hmm. um, but the movie grossed $69 million, which... You know, it doubled and then um, did very well, very well, like in uh, like VHS sales. And then, of course, crushed it on the HBO Cinemax Showtime uh, circuit and TBS and has continued to do very well on on television. And to the surprise of Richard Dreyfus and Frank Oz the movie did well and. To the point where Richard Dreyfus is kind of just snickers because of the fact that he was he was in his own words kind of like tortured by Bill Murray. There was another famous scenario where like uh, Bill Murray had allegedly rewritten some script that one of the lines was like where he just got right in Richard Dreyfus's face, yelled at him, and said like everybody hates you. You're only tolerated. Oh 
And then he threw an ashtray at his face, like nearly hitting him, just barely missing him. But these are all apparently facts. And Richard Dreyfus hated the entire ordeal and went on and, you know, said this movie was not going to be good. And then it was a success. And then he had to, like, eat crow on interviews. He's like, yeah, I'm... I'm the guy that said this movie was going to be shit and it's great. So I look stupid. But the whole reason why he said that is because of the fact that Bill Murray made his life hell during the whole like production of it. And I feel bad, but I also kind of laugh in, in a different way because it almost not, not to uh, dismiss um, Richard Dreyfuss's experience or to condone treating people like shit. But it also does seem like just part of the process of Bill Murray, just I think this is going to be hysterical, um, whether that's right or wrong. That's not not for me to say, but probably not right. But it still doesn't change the fact that the lore behind of it. So I don't know. still uh, makes me smile a little bit. Anyway, yeah, well, and, and and I, it just made me think when you were talking about um, Bill Murray doing things to get specific reactions that by doing that, he's going to get all of the reactions that we saw. Like it, it almost makes me it almost except for that. You said other people had had kind of similar experiences with Bill Murray. It almost makes me wonder if he did it on purpose to make like Richard Dreyfuss's scenes where he is like just fed up with Bob more mm. real because that would not have been difficult to act if he was already fed up with Bill Murray. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're 100 right, and there there's probably there was probably a method in there uh, to that madness. Unfortunately, it probably was an element of ego that Bill just thought he could get away with whatever he could get away with because uh, it's not the the mm. first, and unfortunately, it hasn't been the last. I love Bill Murray. And when I when I read the these stories of whether it's from Richard Dreyfus or recently a story from uh, Gina Davis uh, saying things of experiences that she had with him. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I What I do know is Bill Murray has always been a little unconventional and uh, maybe maybe a little challenging, but. I, he needs I, a real Groundhog's Day experience yeah. to help him not be the Phil Collins. He needs, yeah, he yeah, needs a real yeah, Groundhog's yeah. Day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and there's always a, I'm always down to just even segue and talk about Groundhog Day because that's just one of my all time <laughs> favorite films. I love Bill Murray movies and I can go yeah. into even the most obscure films like, like Mad Dog and Glory. I don't care. Like I can always go in and, and, and chats and Bill Murray films. I, I, I love I his Bill work. Murray. He's always made me laugh. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm taking over this conversation. So I do apologize. It's just, That's you can okay. always tell the movies that I love because I just start going all over the place, which is great. It's very, very therapeutic awesome. for, uh, for your podcast, which I want to know more about. And uh, what, <laughs> what you guys talk about. That's probably the hard thing about interviewing someone that like, also does interviews on a podcast because I'm like, oh, I'm comfortable with you talking. It's fun. I'll interview you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been doing your podcast? Um, well, actually, just since the beginning of the year, I just um, 
I was in a transition phase and I decided to just start a podcast. My sister uh, runs a fiction podcast and I was like, just want to do one for people with ADD. So that's what I do. That's awesome. I I, I love that, by the way. I think it's great. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Now, um, naturally with a movie like this, which is so very, very dialogue heavy, I have to know, like, what are some of your, like, your favorite quotes in the film? Because, I mean, this movie is, you can't just say, oh, I love this movie because it's a good movie. No, you also love this movie because it is so heavy with really great dialogue. So what are some of your favorite lines in the film? I just, well, I love that you could just be in a situation and the film comes up, to be honest, as far Mm. as the lines go. Like I said, like when you're overwhelmed, you get the baby steps. Or like if I show up somewhere and I don't know where the people are, I start going, Dr. Marvin, Dr. (laughs) Leo Marvin. Like, you know, you start shouting things. Or like, um, you know, it's just. It's true. Oh my God, you're so right, though. She never says that. Yeah, never. Son of a bitch. Yeah. She never says that. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, one of my favorite ones, it uh even when people don't even mean it at all, like, oh yeah, I'll be quiet. I'm like, I'll be peace. I just can't help yes! it. I just can't help yes! it. I innately will always bring back I'll be peace um almost anytime and even if somebody even if i don't say it i think it anytime where somebody's like i need you know like peace and quiet like oh you know don't worry you know we'll be quiet everybody be quiet and like be peace too like i just can't i just can't (laughs) help it it just always comes up um yeah that's yeah it's so good i obviously the i'm sailing i do yeah up until maybe, maybe, maybe two years ago, maybe well, actually maybe six months ago, I'm looking over here toward my closet because I think I've already got rid of it. But I did used to have the don't hassle me. I'm local uh, T-shirt, which was just, by the way, a horrible T-shirt because it's like a weird, really, really light blue and yellow and it doesn't look good on anybody. But no. I did have that T-shirt and I would wear it. Um, maybe you have too, to. too frequently for for most people's uh, liking because again it just doesn't didn't look good, didn't look good on Bill Murray and granted you're, yeah. you know he had like the receding hairline and the mullet but just yes. uh, not not the not the flashiest of t-shirts I'm trying to what else um, we yeah but I'm sailing well and the whole conversation of. You know, sometimes I look at people like a telephone. Oh, yeah. I just say, this one's broken. Yep. It's out of order. I'll come back and try again later. You know, I bring, <laughs> you reference it. I bring that up as well. Like, you know, as far as uh, conversation, just hang up, call again. Uh, I mean, I. It, at the end of the day, it's a good, it's kind of like a good uh, little idiom if you will just kind of like hey if, you know maybe this connection is broken hang up and try back right i mean it's mm-hmm. just it's kind of like a good uh philosophy in life um yeah. let's see oh my god there's so many uh yeah, or like when you're eating hard to not just go mm-hmm. yeah i i so do good. love 
Dr. Leo Marvin's apology to Bob, which basically consisted of nothing more than him just looking at him and kind of like nudging. Yeah, um, he like half nods. Yeah. He which, can't quite nod his head. Which uh, just a little like poking a little fun of my wife. I love I love you so much. But that's the way that she apologizes to me is just kind of just looks at me and like, I'm like, all right, fine. But doesn't actually say, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're like, okay, I know. I know yep. now yep. that I, you recognize you know, like, right, it. So we're, we're going to accept this. Yeah, we, we connected right there. I, I I get it. I get it. This is this is, this is what I'm going to get. I, I'm so glad that you chose this movie. But in our final portion, <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to talk about this movie? Obviously... We, we discussed a little mental health from a theme perspective. We talked a little uh, quotes, little miscellaneous facts, etc. I think What About Bob is just, it's one of those, like, I want to say, like, one of those just crystalline, perfect things that all came together. And your life just isn't quite whole unless you've seen it. Like, it's one of those shows that, like, when you find out someone hasn't seen it, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a hole in your life. It's called What About Bob? Let's fill that hole. Like, <laughs> I mean. I can't disagree. I can't. Take two but... hours out of your day and fill this hole. I mean, you can be matching socks while you do it. But, you know, this hole needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like. It's that's what I feel. It's one of those shows that if somebody hasn't seen it, you're like, oh. Yes, you are missing something that you need. <laughs> so let's, let's just do this thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And I, th- I just you even mentioning that makes me think of the scene when Good Morning when Good Morning America is there, and he's introducing himself uh, or introducing his family to like the to the host, and he's like, "This is my wife, Faye. This is my daughter." This is my son. And he like forgets his son's name and Bob yes. just, just shows up. He's like Ziggy. He's like Ziggy. And then, you know, Bob oozles himself into the into the interview. And and then Bob is ta- essentially taking over the con- like he even switches seats. And then he yes. compares Dr. Leo Marvin to Mother Teresa. <laughs> yes. and how long have you been a patient oh four days it's, just, it's so great um and then like when like dr leo like you, you you don't try to identify with leo but yet you kind of do because bob is batshit crazy right like we, we are kind of somehow still finding ourselves to kind of identify with this curmudgeonly miserable egotistical asshole of a psychiatrist but he he makes sense because we all see it we all see that bob is crazy uh we love bob but he's he will drive anybody to insanity the fact that he doesn't drive anybody else to insanity is hysterical to the fact to the point that dr leo marvin's favorite person in the world his sister falls in love with with bob is so so crazy but also so just you um i i like to think of uh one of my college professors uh, uh, who was my like my screenwriting teacher and he he used to write for 
some TV shows uh, back in the 90s and early 2000s. But one of the thing, his favorite things is put your characters through hell. The, the stronger the forces of antagonism that they have, the better people will enjoy your protagonist, the more they're going to relate and connect with your protagonist. And this is an example Ooh. of of just that is Dr. Leo Marvin is literally the only person in the world that sees just how, <laughs> how yes. disruptive Bob is. And it takes him to the point where he's catatonic. He's <laughs> just completely God. And then his sister marries Bob. And it's at that moment where he finally snaps out. And it's, oh, it's wacky. It's absurd. Uh, but it's so good. <laughs> so feel good. So funny. I did have something that I wanted to bridge the connection, but I lost it at this point just as I was going through and laughing. But that that's what I love about this movie is just I can watch this movie. This movie reminds me not in plot or in structure, but just in the laugh factor uh, in, a, in a way kind of like my cousin Vinny, I can just turn this movie on and just laugh my ass off for a good mm-hmm. solid 90 minutes. And that's all this movie is. It's a 90 minute film and it's just, it's wholesome. It's fun. It's not completely mm-hmm. over the top. You've got a great cast in Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus, uh, Julie Haggerty, who was in air, uh, airplane. You had Charlie Cosmo, who was a, a big child actor in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, who would then go on to do Can't Hardly Wait, but he was in Hook and he was in, was he, shit, was he in Dick Tracy? He might have been Dick Tracy too. Was he? Um, he was in a lot of stuff. Yeah, Charlie Corsmo was in a lot of things. Um, but yeah, great cast and just a freaking fun, fun film. And, and yeah, um, I don't have a ton Can't go more. wrong. You can watch it with kids. Yeah, you can watch it with kids. <laughs> you can totally watch it with kids. I don't have a ton more to say other than just going into uh, my favorite scenes. And for that, there are literally hundreds of them. And maybe that's what this conversation <laughs> should be. Is just like, what's what about that scene? What about this scene? What about that scene? Um, my God, uh, I, I want to do a couple more favorite scenes. Let's see, what am I what am I forgetting right off the top of my head that I thoroughly enjoyed? Oh yeah, the like the little puppets. Yeah, the puppets were so good. Puppets were well, so like, good. Seriously, that he put that much detail into making puppets that looked like him and his kids. <laughs> the so, puppets were so good. Wow. I, I love when I just I love when it starts to really flip at the end and like Dr. Marvin's going crazy and Bob is is suggesting the medications to the doc. Yes. He's like, are you sure yeah. for this kind of manic episode? You should be. And then he's like, do you think that's maybe you should do that? He's like, yeah, I'll go ahead and write a different uh, yeah. prescription for it based on what Bob Wiley is saying. Um, oh, that's so funny. Um, there's another moment where like, Leo is completely lost it and he finally kicks Bob out of the house and the family's like, why, 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 why are you so mean to Bob? Why'd you kick him out? He's like, yeah, why'd you make uh, Bob leave? He's like, wait, you think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole (laughs) point. He's never gone. And then he opens up the door and then Bob's like, 
is this some radical new therapy? And he slams the door on his face. And he's like, you see? <laughs> and he's is... not even like on the porch. Like he's like face almost to the screen. <laughs> he's right <laughs> there. Standing there. <laughs> and again, it's just a perfect um, overlay of somebody completely off the rails and somebody so well-structured. And I hate that they didn't connect, but I think part of their not connecting did work in some ways to make this movie so freaking funny. I would hope they're friends. I, I like to imagine that by today they could be friends. I, I, I don't know. I want to believe that. What a great, great film. Thank you for for bringing this one up. Um thanks for having me this has been oh, fun. are you kidding me this has been so much fun i don't know how productive or uh how educational this episode will be but i got several laughs and that's <laughs> that's all i care about no i think right. i think we I'm all about I think the we, random you gotta have yeah. fun yeah 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 no i think we brought up uh some fun things some food good food for thought good conversation pieces and the whole point of this uh, this podcast is to reach out, find out what other people enjoy. Like, what is that you like to watch? What are movies that connect with you? And then I get to go back and watch those and have an, uh, have a connection with those and have a conversation about this, right? Thank you, Jenna. This was so much fun. And <laughs> I can't stress enough. Uh, this was an absolute treat. And for the listeners, please check out Jenna's podcast. Uh, one more time, the the title of your podcast? Uh, Office ADHD. We're at, just at officeadhd.com. And uh, where can people, obviously with, with, the, with the dot com, but from a podcast perspective, you available on all the usual platforms? Yep. All, all the platforms run, you know, iTunes, Google, iHeart, um, Overcast. Wonderful. I have to know, Jenna, <laughs> what is the shirt you're wearing? It looks like there's like Star Wars oh, font. What is it? Yes. Oh, it is. So I love this website called Six Dollar T-shirts. Oh my gosh. If you haven't been there, you need to go just for the laughs. It says impressive. Most impressive. Oh, most impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's great. Again, thank you so much to Jenna for taking the time out of her day to chat with me about What About Bob for a good 30, 40 minutes, whatever it was. I certainly had a great time, probably obvious by the amount of laughing I did. And Jenna, thank you so much. You are a wonderful guest. And thank you for suggesting this title for us to discuss. Listeners, do me a favor. Please take a look at the show notes because I will have links to uh, information about Stamper Cinema. Of course, links about Jenna's uh, website and podcast, again, Office ADHD. And there will be a couple little links about What About Bob. But that's all I got for you this time around. And we will see you next time on another episode of Stamper Cinema. <laughs>